listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about how to elevate your day and take control of your mindset so that you can reach the goals that you are trying to reach. I'm going to be joined today by Hal Elrod, one of my friends. He's on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. So that means for each of you listening out there, we're talking about Hal helping each of you. Now, he is the author of one of the highest rated books on Amazon called Dun Dun Dun, The Miracle Morning. This has been translated into 37 languages, has over 3,000 five-star reviews, which means a lot of people like Hal, and I think you will too. <laughs> Plus, he's impacted the lives of over 2 million people in more than 70 countries. Now, I have a little background on you, Hal, but I think you're going to tell the story way better than me. What's up? How are you? Good, Jen. It's so good to see you. You're like my soul sister because I wake up and I read the labels every (laughs) single day. It's a contention between my wife and I. She's like, just let us live our lives. Just. I'm like, I'm letting you live your life, but do you see what's in this? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you got you got those good crackers. Is that your snack? Yeah, these aren't them, actually. These friends got me. These are not organic, so I would never buy these. Yeah. Now, on the front, they look really good, Jen. They say they say gluten-free and and non-GMO verified and, and certified vegan and paleo, but and there's a lot of stuff they don't have in them. But anyway, yeah. I just, these are randomly here because my friend Brianna knows how much I love healthy snacks. So she went on a spree. I've got this whole spread across my desk. For my birthday, she brought me... She tried to get things that I wouldn't have. Yeah. And so she got me all these amazing things. And like pressure, most of them I'm going to eat pressure. Most of them are great. So it was your birthday. What kind of cake did you celebrate with? My wife made me an organic raw vegan cake. It's got um, like, a, you know, like a date and cashew crust. And it's a two and then it's got it's three layers. So it's the date and cashew crust, which in and of itself is amazing. And then it's a like a cashew cream cheesecake in the center. And then it's a blueberry cake on the top. It's unbelievable. And so she made that for me. She's so sweet. So Haley. Well, happy birthday to you. Thank you. That is very exciting. But tell me, I'm sure you haven't been reading the labels and having miracle mornings every single day and being so optimistic and helping people take control of their lives, right? That hasn't been your life forever, has it? No, I mean, I think it's really an important part of the story is, is that growing up, I had a real, I was a really, I, you know, I, I use the word mediocre. Like I was just a mediocre kid. I, I wasn't, yeah. I didn't excel at anything. You know, I didn't get good grades. I wasn't an athlete, none of that. So when I was seven years old, I had a six-year-old sister and I had a brand new baby sister that was born named Amory. Amory, the doctors found out when she was in my mother's womb that, Amory had some birth defects and it it was determined she had a very rare condition called metatropic dysplasia, 
which is a form of dwarfism. So she never would have been over four feet tall, but it also affects because your body doesn't grow normally, it affects your organs. And the doctors told my mother to abort my sister that she wouldn't live through the pregnancy. And, and even if she did, she wouldn't live much longer. And my mom kind of said, I'll, I'll leave that up to, you know, to God, I'm not yeah. going to make that decision. And so Amory was born and a year and a half of her life, she spent a lot of time in the hospital, but she was overall a happy, healthy, you know, vibrant baby girl. And a year and a half after she was born, I was at home with my mom and her. My other sister, Haley, was gone at my grandma's house. My dad was at work. He worked at the Pines Market grocery store. And I woke up on a Saturday morning to my mother screaming across the hall from her bedroom. And she was saying, my baby, my baby. And I thought she was playing with my sister, Amory. And then I, as I like came to, I realized, oh, there's like, there's something wrong here. Like her voice sounds desperate. Mm -hmm. I ran across the hall and my mom was performing CPR on my little 18 month old sister. And she had stopped breathing while she was nursing. Her eyes just glazed over. And I called 911. I called my dad. Ambulance came. My dad came home. My dad called a friend of ours, a family friend, to take me with them because he didn't think I should go to the hospital. That at eight years old, I didn't need to see whatever was going to happen. And as my mom and dad drove away in the ambulance with Amory, I thought everything was okay because at eight years old, I'm like, oh, that's what the ambulance does. They save people. Like, yeah. they're going to save my sister. It's all good. No problem. And so I went over to my friend Ben's house and his mom, Janine, drove us there. And uh, a couple hours later, Janine came out of the office and she said, hey, your dad's on the phone. And I went and I talked to my dad and he was crying. And I never heard my dad cry before. And he said, Hal, Amory's in heaven. I can't really remember what I was thinking. I just remember what I said next, which is I, you know, I got off the phone with my dad and I went in the other room and I'd imagine that I had all sorts of weird emotions coming up and like, I didn't understand, wait, so I'm never going to see her again. Like, well, what does this mean? I, I don't know how to comprehend this. My little eight-year-old brain. And I went out and I said, um, I said, hey, everybody, guess where Amory is? Mm. And I had a really upbeat tone. And I remember I can picture Ben's mom, Janine, furrowing her brow, like tilting her head, like looking really sad. I think, you know, she knew what had happened. And I said, she's in heaven. Isn't that great? I've heard heaven's a really great place. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I, I believe what happened, and this, this is something like through like therapy, I've looked back to try to understand this. I developed a superpower and every superpower has a shadow side, which we'll, we'll probably circle back to later. But the superpower was, okay, my sister died. She is gone. She will never be here again on earth. And I'm going to miss her terribly, right? That's one, one side of reality that can make people distraught and depressed and just don't even want to go on with their life, right? Yeah. But then I realized she's in heaven. I'm still here. I have mom and dad who love me, right? And the way that I look at it for all of us, so anybody listening, think about that your life is made up of two pages. Your reality is made of two metaphorical pages. And one page lists everything you have to feel bad about, call it the painful page. And then one thing lists everything you have to feel good about, call it the peaceful page or the pleasurable page. It's everything that you have to feel great about. And in life, people that are, that are distraught, that are negative, that are complaining, they often justify their complaining by looking at their painful page and going, I'm not negative. I'm just realistic. This is my reality. And it's like, well, yes, 
but how is it any more realistic to to focus on, dwell on, and talk about the painful page and make that your dominant reality? How is that an ounce more realistic to shift your attention over to the things in your life that you have to feel good about, to be grateful for, to be optimistic about? Both are equally realistic, but which page you focus on determines the quality of your life. You can be right miserable or you can be happy with the exact same life that you're living right now. And that was the superpower I developed that would carry me through the toughest times into my future is like, oh, I'm going to accept what I can't change. At that time, my sister passed away. I'm going to be at peace with what I can't change. And I'm going to focus 95 to 99% of my energy into what makes me feel good, what I'm grateful for, and the things that are in my control. So that was that defining moment that really set the tone and the kind of the context for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so that's a lot for an eight-year-old to interpret as well, because eight-year-old has a lot of feelings. And I know if my kids or myself, you know, anybody that's going through that, that it's very easy to focus on the painful. So do you think at that time in your life is when you stepped back and realized there was two options of how you were going to move forward? Or was it just the way you rolled? It was unconscious. It was and unconscious. I think that it was honestly a protective mechanism, right? I think it's like, okay, I'm eight years old. I don't really like these feelings that are coming up. I don't understand them. So no, I definitely couldn't have articulated yeah. it at all, right? It's just, it's really through like reverse analysis, trying to figure out what has led to what shaped my life. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that was it. I think it was just, it was a protective mechanism that then became a superpower over time. And then like I said, we'll later we'll circle back to there's, and I can just tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll mention the dark side of that is I never developed empathy because I was so positive my entire life. I always focused on the positive. I didn't ignore the negative. I like, I acknowledged it, but I'm like, well, if I can't change it, there's no point in becoming emotionally distraught and being miserable over something I can't change. Like, how does that serve me? Yeah. Right. And so, but the problem was I didn't develop empathy until just a few years ago, because whenever somebody would be like, I'm like really hurt or sad or angry of this, I'm like, dude, just snap out of it, focus on the positive. And, you know, my wife will tell me that, tell you that was very challenging to live with someone that was like that for the first 15 years of our relationship. Oh my gosh. You just hit the nail on the head with my husband, which I know you've met before. Yeah. My husband is like that. He is so hyper-focused on the positive yeah. that whenever he takes these personality tests and everything, he scores so low in empathy yeah. and yeah. in feeling like the crowd or someone that he's talking to, their emotions, his emotional intelligence is so low. And he is just, mm. he's Miracle Morning 2.0 without <laughs> teaching it to people, seriously. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to bring that up to him. That's good to know. You bring it up to him. No. And when that's what I realized is I'm missing out on the full human experience, right? Like, but the, here's the thing is I wouldn't trade any of it mm -hmm. because that superpower going from there and then integrating it into like, how do I integrate the shadow side? How do I, how do I feel painful emotions, but from a place of being completely at peace. So like, I forgot who said this, but there was some guru, some sage who said, I've been depressed before I was enlightened and depressed while I was enlightened. And the difference was, is that before I was enlightened, I was my depression. 
And once I was enlightened, I observed my depression. Oh, that's it right there. Food for thought. Yeah. Yes. Light bulb. So I know we have so much to talk about today and I do definitely want to dive into, I mean, our audience is focused on, first of all, everybody's waking up in the morning and they are distracted, right? They're getting bings, alerts, social media, news, all these things. And so a lot of them either, you know, fall to depression or they fall to, oh, I'm not good enough to eat clean. I'm not good enough to give my body nutrition and feel good. And so take me to where you were, Hal, so that we can relate in your 20s. And I know you got into a very bad accident. Take us to where you were there so that people can understand that you haven't just been this, like you have battles. Tell me about your battles. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mentioned that, you know, growing up, I was very average and mediocre. I didn't get good grades. I was always in trouble. In fact, the one extraordinary thing that I did in high school is as I think it was my senior year, I set the record for the most hours of detention that any student at my high school had ever accumulated in a year. Um, I had to literally, my parents had to negotiate my way out of, I had to like do like community service, like some sort of something, or I wouldn't have been able to graduate because I had like 175 hours of detention. Oh my gosh. What were you doing? What could you I was just a class clown. Like I was always sweet spirited. Like I was never mean to anybody. I wasn't a bully. I was just always trying to be funny. I was You're always trying to make make jokes. Focused on all fun, no work. All fun, no work. Yeah, yeah. Very, no discipline. Like, honestly, you know, which is a really important piece of my story. It was like, I was undisciplined for the first 19 years of my life. And then at age 19, I got hired to sell Cutco cutlery. Oh, I did that too. You did that too? Oh, Yeah. Oh my gosh. In college. The world's (laughs) finest cutlery sold in-home presentations. Oh yeah. And I was undisciplined and my mentor was literally the number one manager in the entire company. And he encouraged me, he supported me, he believed in me. And most importantly, or equally as important, he held me accountable to follow through with what I said I was going to do. And if it wasn't for the accountability of, from him, I'd still be probably an undisciplined person, but he helped me develop accountability or develop discipline by having to check in with him every day. Like, Hey, this is how many calls I'm making today. And then I'd have to call him after I made the calls. Then I have to call him after, like he had me literally talking to him like four or five times a day, like quick check-ins just to make sure that I would make a commitment. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I'd have the accountability of reaching out back out to him and saying, okay, I did it. Or I didn't do it. I made a mistake, but I'm recommitting tomorrow, you know? And yeah. So that, that was huge for me. Yeah, it served as an anchor to what you're doing now. Totally. So tell me about your, I watched your movie. By the way, everyone listening, Hal has a free movie and it will change your life. It will give you a different perspective on, you know, your day, your mindset, what you can achieve. And so tell us about the basis of the movie and what had happened to you. Yeah, it's called The Miracle Morning. You can watch it at miraclemorning.com for everybody listening. It's a full-length documentary. So a year and a half into my Cutco career, I was giving a speech at a conference and I was driving home that night. My Ford Mustang was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 80 miles per hour and a second vehicle crashed into my driver's side door at 70 miles per hour and I was found dead at the scene. Immediately, I broke 11 bones. I mean, I broke my femur in half. I broke my pelvis in three places. I shattered my elbow, broke my arm in half. 
I mean, literally in half, like two pieces. And I, I bled to death and I was clinically dead for six minutes when they finally used the jaws of life to cut the roof off and pull me out of the car. I'd been losing blood for about an hour. Wow. And um, they put me onto a medevac helicopter. They performed CPR, used the defibrillators, hooked me up to an IV. They brought me back to life, flew me to the hospital. I spent six days in a coma, came out of the coma six days later to be told I would never walk again. And that superpower that I developed when my sister died. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I can't change that I was in a car accident. Mm -hmm. I can't change that I broke all these bones. And if the doctors are right, then I'm never going to walk again. And I'll be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. But I can choose to be the happiest, most grateful person that anyone's ever seen in a wheelchair, right? Like I will never, and if you're listening, consider this, that A, you could be the happiest, most grateful you've ever been while you are enduring the most difficult time in your life. And B, your unchangeable circumstances and most circumstances are changeable, right? But they're not in this moment, like moment to moment, your bank account balance is going to be the same one minute from now as it is now, right? Your physical body will be the same one minute from now as it is now. How will you experience that minute? Will you enjoy it? Will you be fully present to how, what a miracle life is? Will you be grateful to be alive while you focus on changing the things that you can change? And so you fast forward, I took my first step three weeks later, and that's what shifted my work to like, oh, I don't want to sell knives the rest of my life. Not there's anything wrong with that, but I must be meant to do something with this experience. Like, why would I have died and come back and all of that? Yeah. And so I decided that I wanted to write a book and I wanted to overall share my story with other people and the lessons I learned to help them do the same. Now you fast forward eight years later. 2007, 2008, right around that time, the United States economy crashes. I'm in denial because again, that superpower, the shadow side was like, no, 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 I'm not worried about the economy. I create my own economy. And then all of a sudden my coaching clients, which is how I made all my money back then, they start quitting one. They're like, I can't afford coaching. I can't afford coaching. I can't afford. And I'm like, uh, what? And I lose over half of my income in a six month period and I can't pay my mortgage. So my house gets foreclosed on by the bank, the first house I ever owned. I go from being a Dave Ramsey debt-free student to accumulating $50,000 in credit card debt. And my body fat percentage triples. So I go from being, I was eating pretty healthy at that time until I ran out of money. And then I'm like, I just have to buy whatever the cheapest food is. So I went from being healthy to like eating ramen. I mean, it was like whatever. Yeah. And um, rice and beans, whatever. But my body fat percentage tripled in those six months. So I was literally physically, I was at the lowest point. Like I was in the worst shape of my life. Mentally and emotionally, I was depressed. I was scared. I was hopeless. I didn't know how to turn my life around. And financially, I was at the lowest point in my life. And a series of events led me to a breakthrough that changed my life faster than I ever thought possible. And it was in the middle of the 2008 recession. And I really want to tell this story in a very careful way. I want to teach this because we're in the middle of a recession now. Mm -hmm. It may be worse than 2008. And I won't say we're in the middle of it. I'll say we're at the beginning, you know, early stages of it. Right. And I know there's a lot of people scared. I mean, I've surveyed my Miracle Morning community and the number one answer people want help with is their mental health and happiness. And the number two answer is their finances. They're scared about the recession and what to do. So I'm deep into the great recession. The economy is 
at the worst it's ever been since, you know, probably since I've been alive or at least an adult and it's getting worse. And I hear a quote from Jim Rohn. He says, and if you're listening, this is worth like, write, write this down. If you got to pause it, rewind it. This quote gave birth to the miracle morning. Make sure you rewind it, everyone. Yes, rewind it. <laughs> your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development. Your level of success in every area of life, your health, your happiness, your marriage, your finances, your level of success in every area will rarely exceed your level of personal development. Jen, immediately that landed for me. I quantified it and I asked myself, okay, what level of success do I want on every in every area of my life on a scale of one to 10? Mm. And I'd imagine that for every person, we want level 10. I don't know anyone that doesn't want to be as healthy as they can be, as happy as they can be, have their marriage be as strong and harmonious as it can be, have as much financial security and abundance as possible. I believe there's an innate drive and desire for human beings to live to our full potential, yet so few people do it. And I believe this quote from Jim Rohn tells us why, because we all want level 10 success but how many of us are dedicating time each day to our personal development in a way that's very strategic and structured and intentional so that we can become the level 10 version of ourselves who's capable of achieving and sustaining level 10 success in every area of our lives, right? It's a very small percentage. Of course, my mission is for it to be everyone, for us all to have a daily personal development ritual that is structured, that is strategic, that is intentional, that is proven to accelerate our level of personal development so that we can create the success we want in our lives. So Jen, I literally got on Google, I opened my computer and I was like, I need to figure out what the world's most successful people do for their personal development. I need to do that every day so that I can quickly become a level 10 version of myself to achieve the success I want. And again, at this time in my life, I'm depressed. I'm financially broke. I'm in debt. My house is in the middle of being foreclosed on. My body fat percentage tripled. Like I'm really at a rock bottom. And I Google and I'm looking for like the, the one or two best practices. And I end up with a list of six practices. It's meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. Later, thanks to a, an acronym or a thesaurus, that be meditation became silence. So these are known as the savers. If you're taking notes and you want to write these down to remember them, S-A-V-E-R-S. -E the first S is for silence. That's your meditation or prayer time or breath work. The A is for affirmations. Those are affirming statements that clarify what you're committed to in your life. The V is for visualization. The world's most successful athletes visualize. You should too to Every day, visualize what you need to do to be at your best that day, to make progress towards your most important goals. The E in savers is for exercise. The R is for reading. And the final S is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing or journaling. Those are the six practices. And I go, as I'm looking at these, I go, well, I can't do all of them. Which one's the best? But there was no clear winner. It depended on, you know, one millionaire would say it was their meditation practice. And Jim Rohn, his favorite was journaling. And Will Smith, it was his affirmations that he said made him so successful. And that was Will Smith pre-Chris Rock slap, by the way, different Will Smith. And so I'm looking at the six practices and I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I'm like, I don't know which one to do. And I almost threw in the towel 
And then thank goodness, Jen, I had an epiphany. I went, wait a minute. What if I did all of these? Mm -hmm. What if I woke up tomorrow like 30 to 60 minutes earlier and I did the six most timeless, proven personal development practices that the world's most successful people for centuries have sworn by and attributed their success to these practices? If one of these would change your life, the six of these should accelerate my personal development beyond what anything else would do. And I woke up the next morning. I fumbled my way through all of them. Like I had never meditated before. The affirmations felt super goofy that I found online. But even doing a subpar version of these six practices, at the end of that hour, Jen, I went from feeling depressed and hopeless to feeling excited and energized and motivated. And here's the the narrative in my mind changed from, I don't know if I can turn my life around to if I start every day with these six practices, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be to turn my life around and create the success I want in every area. And Jen, I was thinking it would happen in one year, but in two months from my very first miracle morning, which it wasn't even called that, had didn't have a name. It was just personal development that I wrote in my schedule every morning. Two months later, I more than doubled my income in the height of the Great Recession. How did I do that? I bought a book called Book Yourself Solid that taught people with service businesses how to get more clients. And I was a coach at a service business. I used my affirmations to clarify the commitments that I was learning in the book. I used my meditation to meditate in a state of confidence that I could apply those actions. And within two months, I more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically to eating healthy again. And I committed to run a 52 mile ultra marathon because I hated running. And I thought, what, what better commitment to make that would force me to become a level 10 person. And then my depression didn't take two months to go away. It went away my first morning because I felt hopeful again. And after two months, I went to my wife. I can picture the moment. I saw her in the hallway. I had just signed on my second coaching client for the day. And I said, sweetheart, I grabbed her. I said, listen, I just signed on two coaching clients. We've doubled our income in two months. I'm running for the first time in my life. I am on fire. I said, it's all because of this morning routine and it feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. It's your miracle morning. I go, I love that. And you know, The rest is kind of history, as they say. Like, I kept practicing it. I started teaching it to other people. Three years later, I self-published the Miracle Morning book. Now it's sold, you know, you said 3 million copies and all of this stuff. And my life's work is still dedicated to sharing the Miracle Morning with everyone. And the way that I look at it is 3 million people have read the book or watched the movie or downloaded the app or whatever. That means I have 8 billion people that I have a responsibility to reach and I'm dedicating my life, like the rest of my life, I'm gonna keep going and until I reach all those people. I love it. Your energy is so contagious, by the way. Thank you. I can tell you that from my experience, I started the Miracle Morning about, I mean, it's probably been two months since we recorded our other podcast. I would say two months ago. Okay. And a little backstory on it for everyone listening. My husband had been doing the Miracle Morning for like three years and I had no idea. Again, he's super positive and (laughs) he's everything that the Miracle Morning helps him to be. 
And for a while I would wake up at, you know, six o'clock to wake the kids up. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you writing in that journal? Why are you laying on the couch in the dark in the morning? Why are you exercising? Why are you doing, how, how are you doing all these things? Right. I'm like, why don't I have the energy to do that stuff? And then one of his, one of his journal entries, him scribing, he wrote, I want to get my wife to do the miracle morning and the universe works in beautiful ways. So Hal actually reached out to me on Instagram and was like, Hey, I love what you're doing with the labels. Let's chat. And I told my husband and my husband's like, Oh my gosh, the miracle morning has come to you. So once we dove into our conversation, I thought, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I understand this. I do need this in my life because like you said, from one minute to the next, I am the same person. However, I can build up the self-awareness to recognize the person that I've been until this point. And the Morning Miracle has truly helped me to get rid of my old habits or beliefs of like, what wake up and read the labels will be or what I'm going to be every single day that's no longer serving me, right? Or no longer serving the company and embrace these new ways of thinking and behaving that align with our goals. So one of my affirmations I say every day is, I'm authentic to who I am and aligned with who I want to be. And this whole practice of waking up every morning, my routine is I go straight to a workout. And then before Miracle Morning, I used to listen to music and I love music. I used to teach spin classes. So I am like into some beats. But I said, you know what? This is going to be my moment of silence. And I rolled down the windows and on the way to and from workout, I just listened to the birds chirping. I no longer mm. I no longer check my phone right when I wake up. I wait about two hours now before I check my phone. And so my mornings personally have just felt more peaceful and they've felt more in control before I would wake up, check my phone, start scrolling on Instagram, looking at the news. I was a news junkie. I've fasted from the news since the start of the year. But I just feel as though... I feel less anxiety about my day and what I am or am not accomplishing. And I feel like I am just, I'm acceptable of what's happening and I'm I'm more grateful, which has been great for even my team that works with me. But I go work out and then after my workout, I sit in my car and do my moment of silence. That could be what I love about Miracle Morning is you make it yours. So it could be one minute or it could be, you know, five minutes. I'm I'm up to like 10 minutes and I figured out the way, you know, to let the thoughts come and allow the thoughts to go. So anyway, Miracle Morning has greatly changed just my outlook. I am... I am more grateful for what's going on and not worried. And so I think for a lot of people out there, when they come on and they sign up with Wake Up and Read the Labels, they're doing it because they want that change. They're focusing on that positive page. However, a lot of them are depressed. They are concerned that it's not going to work for them. They are self-doubting a thousand percent. It's like when someone starts to eat clean, they go, oh my gosh, okay, I've been doing the right things for two days. You know, why haven't I lost 25 pounds? Why am I not off my medication? Why am I still, you know, getting all these symptoms? And so I think this is validation that you have to keep on going and putting yourself in the right mindset that you can do this. So I know Miracle Morning helps people to take a stance and help heal what their 
depression, how to get healthy, how to look for energy. Is that correct? The way that I look at it is it's whatever whatever you direct your miracle morning toward uh-huh. is, and actually I, I call that miracle morning 2.0, meaning the miracle morning as a general practice elevates your consciousness. The way that I describe what does it mean to elevate your consciousness? Your consciousness is your attention. It's whatever you focus on, right? Kind of goes back to what we opened up with the two pages. Yep. If your consciousness is focused on the, you know, the things in your life that make you feel guilty and afraid and ashamed and anxious, right? That's a low level of consciousness. If instead you shift your focus to the things that make you feel excited and optimistic and positive and vibrant and energized, now you're elevating your consciousness. So when you do your miracle morning in general, right? You're focusing on, I mean, I don't know anyone that would do a miracle morning and dwell on what I'm going to wake up early and focus on what I don't want, what I'm afraid of. Like that's not a miracle morning. So by default- (laughs) That's doomsday. That's do, yeah, that's a mediocre morning, okay? And it's what most people, they start their day. They check their phone or they check the news, like you said, and right? But the miracle morning elevates your consciousness. So you're more aware of how your thoughts, words, and actions impact your quality of life, your emotional well-being, as well as the people in your life. The miracle morning 2.0 is where you go, okay, what's the area of my life that I really want to improve right now? So for me, it was my finances when I started, right? So then you align your savers. You go, I'm going to meditate in a state of, you know, whatever is related to, let's say you want to improve your mental health, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to meditate in a state of peace and like just remind myself that I'm safe and that it's okay in life and I have so much to be grateful for. Then your affirmations, right? You affirm the things that are in alignment with you improving your mental health, right? Happiness is a choice. I choose to be happy. The Miracle Morning app has a ton. I have like 60 of my personal affirmations that are in the Miracle Morning app is free in the app store or the Google Play store. But my affirmations are in there. So you'd read affirmations that are in alignment with the area of your life you want to improve. Then you would visualize yourself doing the things that will enable you today to make forward progress in that area, right? The book you'd be reading would be in that area of your life. So point being that the miracle morning accelerates you becoming the person that you need to be in terms of your mindset and your skills and your habits, your behaviors to be in alignment with improving the area of your life you want to improve. If you want to improve your marriage, you filter improving your marriage through each of the savers. So it really is an incredible practice. And I have thousands of emails and reviews and comments of people saying, the miracle morning saved my marriage. The miracle morning got me, you know, I used to be depressed and the miracle morning transformed my depression. The miracle morning, I, I, I made more money. I started a business. I wrote a book. Like it's whatever you want to improve. The key is improving yourself first mm-hmm. or in conjunction with doing the things that will improve your life, your results, your circumstances. Okay. So let's dive into improving yourself with this miracle morning method. Why does one have to start doing this in the morning? Hmm. Why can't they do it in the evening? It's a great question. So people ask me, do I have to do my savers in the morning or could I do them like later in the day? The answer is the savers will benefit you anytime, right? If you meditate, in fact, I, I kind of do the savers all day long as needed. I'm like, you know what? I just, I, I'm about to go into a, a speech. So I need to use some affirmations to like, you know, get me in a state of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Or I need to visualize this speech going well. So I'll use the savers all day. Here's the thing. Let's say you don't do the savers in the morning, your miracle morning, you do it in the afternoon. The benefit of each of the savers are immediate and then 
last after the initial action, the practice. So if you wait to do it in the afternoon, you've missed out on the confidence and the clarity and the energy and the motivation and the peace of mind that those practices generate and you've missed out on them all day long. So the idea is that you start each day with a miracle morning. It enables you to start the day with it in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so that you are a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before, and it impacts every area of your life. The Miracle Morning helps me be the dad that my kids deserve and the husband that my wife deserves. I don't want them to have to miss out on that in the morning and me be all grumpy and reactive and right. Like I want to start my day in a peak state so that my entire day is better. You know, it's kind of like win the morning and you're able to win the day. Love it. And I always say, what you focus on, you become, right? Yep, 100%. Okay, let's do a little exercise. A lot of people that are listening are dealing with inflammation, Mm. okay? And so they are running to the doctors and they're going to appointments and they're taking medication. They're waking up with joint pain every morning and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is me. I'm getting older. I can't exercise as much. I'm, you know, depressed. I really want to be healthy. They want to be like all the clients they see working with us and they think, oh, that could never be me. That could never be me. Let's do like a quick exercise of how they could utilize the savers. What would they do for for silence? So, I mean, I think that it would be like, so so you're saying if somebody specifically wants to reduce inflammation? Yep, and get healthy and get rid of their joint pain. Like start being healthy. Stop eating ultra processed food and gain control of their health through food. I'm going to focus on the two of the savers that I would focus on if that were the case. And I would say these are probably the two most actionable savers and results-oriented savers. It's the A for affirmations and the R for reading. So the first thing I would do is I would would either Google what you want to improve, right, for just unlimited supply of free articles – or order a book on it or both. The benefit of a book, by the way, is that if you read an article, you might spend five or 10 minutes putting your consciousness directed toward that information. If you buy a book, you're probably going to spend three or four weeks putting your consciousness toward that information. That's the difference, right? The duration, the amount of time you're investing in focusing on improving an area is going to have, it'd be like exercising once or exercising for a month. Where are the results going to be better? Yeah. So, buying a book on the topic that you want to improve or consuming Jen's content, right? Either way, it's consuming content that shifts your consciousness, that elevates your consciousness in the area you want to improve. And then the way to use affirmations is there are two problems with the way affirmations have been taught to us over the years, you know, for probably decades. Number one, we've been taught to lie to ourselves to trick ourselves into believing something that we don't actually believe is true. So for example, let's say you want to make more money. It's like, we've been taught to just tell it, just affirm, I am a money magnet, you know, Mm -hmm. money flows to me effortlessly, or I am wealthy. Like you're affirming something that's not true in order to trick yourself into feeling better. Mm -hmm. So three steps to create affirmations that are practical, that are actionable, that are results oriented, and that are rooted in truth. Step one, affirm what you're committed to. So don't say, I am wealthy, I am a millionaire, I don't have any inflammation, if you do, right? 
Like when I had, I had cancer five years ago, I didn't say I don't have cancer. I said, I'm committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula, my wife, and the kids, no matter what, there's no other option. So the template here, let me simplify that. I'm committed to blank, no matter what, there's no other option. So whatever your ideal outcome is, that is the blank. I am committed to blank no matter what, there's no other option. Now, one nuance there is you could also commit to the action. That could be the blank, the habit. Like I'm committed to cutting sugar out of my diet, no matter what, there's no other option, right? So it could be the front end behavior change that you're committed to, or it could be the outcome. I lean toward the outcome because the behavior change is kind of baked into the other two steps. Any questions on step one? And then I can cover the other two. No, keep going. This is great. I love I love actionable things like this. Yes, me too. That's the thing about the Miracle Morning. The reason I think it's been so sticky and people have resonated is a lot of these practices that we're talking about are woo-woo practices that are not rooted in reality, that are not practical, that are not actionable, that are not results-oriented. And that does not work for me. Like my background's in sales. I need to be like, no, yeah. I don't want to just feel better when I do this. I want it to actually change my life in measurable ways, right? So mm-hmm. that was what I worked on for three years when I wrote the book. So step one is affirm what you're committed to. I'm committed to blank, no matter what, no other option. Step two is affirm why it's a must for you. Why is it a must? And, and I would add to that deeply, you can put in parentheses, deeply meaningful. Like why is this so meaningful, that outcome, that you're willing to do whatever it takes? For me, I use usually bullet points because there's usually more than one reason it's important. I mean, there's usually two, three, maybe even four or five. So for example, that cancer affirmation, I'm committed to beating cancer and you know, no matter what, I'm committed to beating cancer because dot, 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 I promised Ursula forever and a day. I'm committed to beating cancer for Sophia and Halston, my kids, because they need their dad's love, leadership and guidance. And I want to be a grandparent, you know, like selfishly. Yeah. I'm committed to being cancer for my mom because she doesn't deserve to lose another child. I'm committed to being cancer for my dad because he gave up everything to save me. I'm committed to being cancer for myself because I deserve to live a long, happy, healthy life. And last but not least, I'm committed to beating cancer for the millions of people who are themselves battling cancer or some other disease and may not have been blessed with the knowledge and resources that I have. And so I can help them on their journey to healing. Those were my musts. Those were the reasons that were so important to me, Jen, that whenever I felt fear or I was exhausted from chemotherapy and I didn't have the will to go on, those affirmations literally saved my life mm-hmm. because they got me to get up and do whatever it was necessary and do the holistic practice that I was committed to, the coffee enemas, taking 70 supplements a day, the organic juicing, the ozone sauna, the lymphatic massage, like you name it. I went over and above and those affirmations are what drove me. The third step, so once you've affirmed what you're committed to, Once you've affirmed step two, which is why it's a must for you, step three is which specific actions will you take and when? Which specific actions will you take and when? And for me, it was, I'm going to combine the best of Western and and Eastern medicine, the best that traditional allopathic medicine has to offer and the best that natural holistic practices have to offer. And I'm going to combine the best 
to heal. And then I had a, I had, I had a really long specific list of what that meant. But that's what I would do. If I wanted to overcome inflammation, I'd buy a book on how to overcome inflammation. I'd read some articles. I'd listen to Jen's podcast and follow proven advice. I would join Jen. I joined. Don't you have a program people can join? What is it called? Yeah, it's our feel good coaching program. So feel good. Like for me, I invest time, money, and energy into the areas of my life that I want to improve, Mm -hmm. right? I just joined a mastermind because I want to improve. It's called fit for service. It's how to become a better servant of humanity, right? Like I want to learn from others, not try to do it on my own. So that's what I would do is I would, I would start with knowledge in terms of your reading the R and savers. And then I would craft affirmations that affirm what you're committed to, why it's a must and what you're going to do to overcome your challenges with inflammation. And guess what? If you read those affirmations during your miracle morning every day, all it is, is it's a matter of if you live in alignment with those affirmations, you cannot fail. It's only a matter of time. You will overcome that. And I'll tell you, I had arthritis, Jen, from my car accident. My doctor said, you'll probably have arthritis when you get older. Six years ago. (laughs) It's your birthday. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My arthritis set in and I was only 36, 37 years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, already this sucks. So I Googled what are natural ways to overcome arthritis. Of course, inflammation Mm -hmm. was one of the primary perpetuators of arthritis. So I cut back on sugar, implemented all these changes in my diet. And I do not have arthritis. Or if I do have arthritis, I don't don't feel it anymore. Yeah. So I... Do not listen to your doctors if they tell you that your disease is incurable, that you have a chronic disease. There are countless examples of people who were told by their doctors, I was told I would never walk again. I said, oh, you might be an expert in whatever you do in their doc. You're not an expert in me. I will walk again. I was told when I was diagnosed with cancer that I only had a 20% chance of surviving. I said, "Uh, I don't believe, I'm not going to listen to you. I have a 100% chance of surviving in my mind. And I did. I was. I had cancer. I mean, I had arthritis. They said it's a chronic disease. You can't change it. And I did naturally. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, Jen. I know you're on the same soapbox all the time. So I'm sure your listeners get a lot of it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm sure people are going. I'm so envious of you. I. Why can't I do this? But you can one morning at a time. Download the free app. The Miracle Morning. And it's so easy. Like you can just check off your, you can check off your savers. It gives you the affirmations. That way you don't even have to come up with it on your own. And it keeps you accountable. I think it's great. He has tons of free content. You got your free movie, right? Where do they get that? Is that on Netflix? Miracle. So if you go to the hub for everything is miraclemorning.com. You'll see the movie. You just scroll down just a tiny bit. The movie's there. Then below that is the app. Below that, you can buy the books. The Miracle Morning Community is a Facebook group with 347,000 members that are probably the most inspired people you've ever connected with. They all, you know, are most of the Miracle Morning. And, and the last thing I want to say, Jen, and I'm open to any other questions, but I want to mention this. If you're listening right now and you're like, oh God, this sounds great, but it's not for me because I'm not a morning person. Yeah. I've never been a morning person. I've tried. I cannot do it. I can't wake up early, Right. Here's what I want to say. Two things. Number one, you don't have to wake up super early. You could wake up 10, 20, 30 minutes earlier. It's not a game. Like it's not like monumental, but here's what I want to share. 
we have surveyed our community, the Miracle Morning community, which is, you know, it's millions of people around the world. And I, every time we survey, every time we send out a survey, which is at least twice a year, we say, there's one question that's always on there. Before you read the Miracle Morning, were you a morning person or was the Miracle Morning what enabled you to become one? And consistently, it's roughly 72% of Miracle Morning practitioners that do it every day said that before they read the Miracle Morning, they never thought they could become a morning person and they, and they had never become one before that. That's beautiful. So if you're not a morning person, like this is designed for you. It's there to help. Yeah. Self-help. I love it. Uh-huh. It's a total mindset in understanding how to tap into that mindset and setting up who you want to be, who you can be, who you're ready to become. Hal, I think you are just an amazing soul with such a beautiful, beautiful message. And I encourage everyone to go check out the Miracle Morning social media, check out his free movie, the free app. I know you also have a book so that you can engulf yourself with that. Now tell me, do you have anything new that you're working on? Yeah, actually. So this is exciting. Today, actually probably tomorrow, I'll send off my final round of edits for the Miracle Morning updated and expanded edition. So it'll be out in about six months. So don't like wait for the new one. You know, I would get the original, you know, resources now. Start it now. But yeah, but I've, I've always wanted to do an updated and expanded edition. And the original Miracle Morning book's a pretty quick read. It's like 50,000 words. And uh, I think I I rewrote every page and added 25,000 new words, including a new chapter called The Miracle Evening and then a new chapter called The Miracle Life. So yeah, so that'll be out 12-12-2023. The 11-year anniversary of the original uh, is when the new edition will come out. So yeah, that's been super exciting. I love it. Awesome. Okay, Tal, thanks so much. I know that we'll talk soon. And everybody go do your Miracle Morning routine and let us know. Send us a message telling us how it's transformed your life. Because I know you are going to, when you walk outside, it's like putting on a pair of glasses. If your vision has been blurry for a while, mm. and you've been feeling in the dumps. This is literally like putting on a pair of glasses and now you can see the beauty. You can see the leaves. You can see everything moving. You can hear the birds, Clara. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want all of you to be a part of that. So thanks, Hal, so much. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 